Welcome, welcome. This is Simply King Podcast. This is your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans, simply being humans. And today is a special one. It's a special one. Um, I have here with me. Um, first, I would like to say that this is powered by uh, House of Ashe. Make sure you get your House of Ashe. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll tag her under here. You know what I'm saying? Power by House of Ashe. Go and get some of the things that she got for you if you, you know, if she got some time for you because she booked and busy. But nevertheless, I have here with me a businesswoman in her own right, a multi-hyphenate as well to her own earnest ability, an Atlanta native from the South Side specifically because, you know, West, you got West Side. West Side. West ooh, side. ooh, ooh. Let me get it right. Zone four. Westside, Westside, Campus, CKSK, in the building, always representing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. This shit telling us. Okay. Look. We in this house, we have <laughs> little baby stands, okay? I heard that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But no, I have it with me, Khadija Z. How you feeling, girl? I'm feeling really good. Thank you. Thank you for that intro. Mm -hmm. Like, that was too smooth. I do you got the sauce on that. I look, look, you know, yeah. I've been, I, you know, they say I've been doing this for a minute. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing this for a while now. But no, let's, um, before we get into who you are and all the things, I have to do something with you because it's something very peculiar happened on the internet and what I would always love to talk about. So let's start with the Twitter check in. Okay. Start my Twitter check in. All right. Okay. So, so basically, my Twitter check in for today is white nonsense, white gossip. <laughs> Um, I don't be meaning like I, I, when I'm on Twitter and when I'm on most social media sites, I really feel like I'm um, I always kind of curated so that I can have what I want to see, right? But very often, because you know, white people are you know, white people, um, and they kind of control media for the most part. So if there's a story or a thing happening, it can pick up so much steam that no matter what side of the internet you want, you're gonna see it, you're gonna catch it, and you know, the thing that's so funny to me is right now, it's white nonsense from Justin Bieber, like a love triangle. Have you heard about this love triangle with Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, and his wife, Haley Bieber? Yes. That's what is so interesting to me, because it's like, I don't look for stuff like this. Why do I, I even care about shit like this? What do you know about this story? So personally, from what I know, I over I just happened to glance through a video on TikTok recently. And basically the the whole like situation just entails like Hailey Bieber having like a personal vendetta against Selena Gomez. An which, obsession. Which, which is weird. That that is kind of weird. But then people in life are like that. And mm -hmm. it's it's their business out in the public. So we're talking about it today. For sure. Because it is I don't care about that. Yeah. I really don't. But you know, unfortunately I think from the whole situation, from what I gathered, it just seems like Kaylee Bieber put herself mentally on a pedestal because she got Justin Bieber yeah. and Selena Gomez 
you know, in Justin Bieber's history. And sometimes when women do stuff like that, they, they unfortunately, especially if you're a woman that's very um, hyper-focused on social media too much, mm-hmm. like, because it was just an innocent post Selena Gomez was doing. I love Selena Gomez. Like, when she was, you know, we grew up with her. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of Haley Bieber until she married Justin, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I love she had a nepo baby. Yeah, but but you know, Selena Gomez grew up with us. Mm-hmm. Like, wasn't she was on Disney Channel and shit, doing mm-hmm. all that raw shit? Wizards of, yeah. Wizards of Waverly Place. Yeah, like she really that girl. Like she was in her bag, and like that's inspirational to like up and coming media, like kids who want to work in media, like. That's what we had before mm-hmm. we had Kiki Palmer and, and other people that we have now. Yeah. But a woman like Haley Haley Bieber doing all that with a person like Kylie Jenner and the Kardashians and look at all the shit they did oh, to yeah. Jordan Woods. They thrive off controversy. Yeah, they thrive off controversy. So I think like it perpetuated that, but I feel like the reaction that they thought they were going to get personally, like Hailey Bieber and Kylie, the little shady stuff they thought they, thought they was going to get away with, it just mm-hmm. backfired. And I think that's the manifestation of you are with the energy you put out. Oh, for sure. For sure. So if you put that out, and unfortunately, the internet is a place where people thrive off negative shit all day. Mm-hmm. So if you thriving off negative stuff all day and looking for negative stuff or maybe your life and your mindset could be in a negative place. And sometimes people turn to looking at negative stories about other people mm-hmm. because it, it just makes them feel like, well, they going through that shit. Yeah. Or that's just something for me to talk about. Yeah. To avoid other stuff. I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like this. I want everybody to continuously curate what you want to see online because online, you know, the internet can already uh, be very, it can already be very daunting in certain aspects because it's, you know, overconsumption really does have a particular effect on us, right? But I think that more than anything, there's always tabs and buttons and things for you to press to curate your stuff to the, to like uh, algorithmic levels, you know what I'm saying? From YouTube things where you say you're not interested in seeing certain ads or seeing certain um, videos. Same way when it comes to uh, when you're on TikTok and you're scrolling through TikTok, you can always just keep scrolling through things that you, you know, don't really care about, but really it all it takes is just a few seconds to capture some, you know, uh, capture your attention to mark this as something that you probably would want to see again. Right. Because shit, you watch this for 10 seconds. You probably was actually intrigued for some for some point. Um, but you got to let it be known. Like, hey, not interested. Don't show me this. Not this. Don't care. And that's how we can curate, you know, what we really want to see. Because I can really care less about the, you know, I think we get enough distractions that we opt into. We don't need more distractions that are, you know, about white nonsense, but no, to pivot onto you, I want you to, you know what I'm saying, let everyone know exactly, you know, who you are and what you do. And I know, you know, I spoke to, you know, your multi-hyphenates and things like that, because you do a lot. Uh, you've done a lot. And I, but I would love for you to speak to, you know, the things that you're really, truly passionate about that really define who Khadija Z is. Thank you. Thank you for even giving me the opportunity to do that, because I feel like for so long, like people have never known what the fuck I do. (laughs) And I get it. Like I had somebody um, it was like in 2020. They was like, 
you know, I would not know what you actually do until I sit down and actually talk to you or get to know you. Like, I really wouldn't know. And then, like, I even had, like, one of my close friends. We've been friends for years. And, like, I remember we were at dinner and she was like, I don't know what you do. Like, I know you do, but I know you execute, but... I don't, I can't pinpoint it. And I think that's also just because um, it's kind of how my life has developed. I have learned like, like, I've always wanted to work in media production, film and entertainment. Like I know that, I knew that innately, like intuitively as a kid, but like because of my environment growing up in Southwest Atlanta, like, and then like coming from a family that, I don't have any industry people in my family. You know what I'm saying? Like coming from all of that, I remember being a kid telling my mother, I want to be an actress one day, mom. Like I want to be like Queen Latifah. Like I remember watching Living Single because mm-hmm. my name's Khadija. And yeah. like growing up, everybody's like, I oh think, my God, I like that was living, living Single yeah. Khadija. Like, uh, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's my name. Mm-hmm. And then like when I was a kid, I was watching Queen Latifah act and like Kim Porter, all of them, like the whole vibe of that show and how raw it is yeah. because like that was my escape from the environment I was in like watching TV growing up was a escape for me because of the environment that I grew up in um pretty much in my single parent household at the time and so basically I didn't know and uh, I remember being in college and I was reading um a book called find your sweet spot and in this book it basically stated and one of my mentors from Georgia State gave me this book when I was a freshman and long story short in the book it was like finding your sweet spot basically entails you know when a child is young like four or five and you notice they whatever they do that innately is their calling and there are pictures of me in my house like reading newspapers at like four years old Mm -hmm. I was doing stuff like that I was talking being very animated always like this when I was a kid but sometimes I had to tone it down just because like that's the thing in the book find your sweet spot explains that like when kids are young they're themselves a child is innocent but they're also themselves until society and parents and people project things onto them and then if you're if you're a kid your brain's not fully developed so we won't we don't even know who the hell we are until we're 25 technically because mm-hmm. that's when our frontal cortex like actually you know develops yeah. and so you know you have to go from that spectrum of being four, five, saying, hey, like maybe this was some stuff you was already into. You was probably already into the same stuff you was doing or any of your friends that was already in the art or somebody who's in the cars or airplanes like that's what they like. But then your parents project on you and say, hey, I want you to do this because actually that's what you wanted to do. And so um to go back to your original question about who I am, I'm a girl from Southwest Atlanta that experienced a lot of things, good and bad, but I was also granted, you know, exposure to a lot of things of all good good and bad things in the world early. They do. Yeah. And so basically I just chose to step out on faith and still pursue my passion for media journalism and film and 
now I'm in a I'm literally at a point in my life where I'm doing that. It's not what I thought because we can't predict the future. Exactly. Right. But I can something can happen. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm still doing all the stuff my younger self wanted to do. And that's a big thing, Mm -hmm. because I think for me, the thing that kind of comes back around is kind of like visual art and talking. Yeah. For like at a very early age, those were the two things I feel like I did the most. I used to draw a lot and I used to talk a lot. But it's like, what does that look like? You know, so in that in that example that you gave about, you know, there are certain I think we have to widen our scope out and what we're paying attention to when it comes to our kids and really investigate like, okay, that's a tangible thing to see. Like your child is literally intrigued by, you know, publication or just publishing in some way, shape or form, at least from its tangible form, being a newspaper or a magazine. And then you see, you know, TV and various things. But I feel like I showed a lot of what my interests were very early. And I, but I think that the thing that, you know, hence what I'm, what I found and what I'm in into now being, you know, being podcasting, I don't think that people really recognize that's a way, that's something to do with that. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, my child just is, he talkative or whatever it is, what it is, blah, blah, blah. Right. But you don't think, what what does that mean? How to figure out what, what to do with that art? What are the jobs that, you know, somebody who communicates well can truly benefit from? And I think right. that's where you start, you know, somebody who just wants to, you can't see it as, uh, I think so many people see certain things as like, just a little, you know, what they're into, the things they like, or, or, you know, a little phase of whatever it might be. But in so many cases, it really could be the thing that piques, you know, your child's interest and really could be aligned in what they want to do. Right. And, um, and I wish, I wish, you know, I, I think my mom did a great job with me, but I do wish that uh, she had the particular wherewithal to be like, okay, like we, we need to really have conversations about what it is that you really genuinely want to do. And um, because I think she she was just all about, like, do what you want, do what your heart tells you to do. Like, it was was really on me. And I think that when you're a child, especially as you grow up, I think you want to have a particular level of um, independence and choices that you're making. Like, you're the reason why this is happening. But in reality, I think as we get older, we almost like desire guidance a lot more. So it's like when we children, we want independence and we want, we we can't wait for the moment where we can start making decisions for ourselves. And then when we get to that point of being able to make decisions for ourselves, we like, shit, can somebody come over? I need an adult. Hold up. I need an adult. I need a vet session. I need an adult to I need make this to choice call. for me. Yeah. I don't, what is a deductible? You know? <laughs> like, what is a deductible? I don't want to choose the wrong thing. I don't want to set myself up to have to fix something. What does this mean? I'm in an accident. What is this? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hey, mama, can you come and, like, look at this? It's like a rash. Not for real. Some, you know, stuff like that. So, I feel like we be needing, um, we be needing more of that. You know? No, we do. We be needing more of that. So, I think that, you know, I think this might be something I ask, especially, you know, Atlanta natives. And this kind of came in a question that I had with uh, Izzy, uh, the episode I did with Izzy at the end of the year. And that's being from Atlanta, I think, is a very intriguing thing to me. Mm -hmm. I'm a small town. I'm a small town kid. So I think I have very particular takes and observations of people who grew up in uh, metropolitans in various sides. And I think what I've noticed about people from Atlanta is that you guys are... You guys grew up in a uh, 
it'll create a renaissance. Yes. You know, absolutely. And you can say a couple creative renaissances and just eras of things, there's waves happening because just history, about the, you know, if you came in through, yeah. you were born in the 90s, you're talking about just a cultural moment of, you know, things like. Atlanta being chosen for the Olympics. So that means that the world now knows about Atlanta. If you didn't know about the capital of Georgia prior to 96, you knew about it in that moment that the world is in Atlanta. Exactly. Um, And it made Atlanta even more of an international. And like, it's funny, shout out to my um, professor, Dr. Robinson from, um, from college. He said, if the Atlanta 96 Olympics didn't happen, that Birmingham would be what Atlanta is today. Yeah. They basically kind of broke it down. Yeah. Like, you know, the trajectory that the two cities were on, it seemed like Birmingham was the one where it was becoming, you know, just in terms of development and things like that, but Atlanta winning that, uh, kind of like that bid for, you know, the Olympics really changed a lot for the city because simultaneously, shout out to CAU, you had the DMV club putting on yet again another Freedom picnic, or as the world knows it as Freaknik. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh my God! My parents was at Freaknik. My parents like okay, so my daddy from Bankhead. <laughs> so my daddy from Bankhead, and then like my daddy was really out here. He was really outside. He was Rolling Stone, you know. But my mama tied him down, and then they made me. Mm-hmm. But um, my mom, she used to be like in Summerhill, and it's like it's so funny to me because like I be catching myself like the stuff they did when I was a kid when they was in like their 20s and 30s like the music they listened to like my parents used to always play Outkast Youngbloods all type of music but really when they were playing like especially like Outkast and other people that came up out of the like that era from Freaknik and everything like that like I did not realize how much that impacted me. Like, I remember being a child looking at Andre 3000 bombs over Baghdad and on 106 in Park and then, like, riding through the city with my mom, like, going to the West End to get the, the actual cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. Like, back in the day, in, like, 2000, 2000, because remember, we're millennials, so, like, we had VHS, like, we was watching Rugrats, yeah. On orange VHS tapes. Some orange tapes. You know you, you some of orange tapes? We was really in. Y'all can find me one. I would be so grateful. <laughs> no, for real. Like, I would love to just have that yeah. in my house. Who just to have it. Y'all remember the purple tapes? The Barney purple tapes? Yeah. That was like, that was like coke. That was like, that yes. was like, that was, you had to be a certain type of person for your parent to care about your, uh, your viewing. Right. That and some damn cereal. Mm-hmm. Oh, we getting it popping. We getting yeah. it popping. So it's like, I remember going to the West End to get these cassette tapes and these videotapes at yeah. Block. Buster Ooh, and like Blockbuster. like all of that and it's like that that was like the nostalgic things of my childhood mm-hmm. that made me feel like wow yeah. this is here this is home and like growing up here I went to Atlanta public schools so how Atlanta is set up you have Atlanta public schools and you have Fulton County so we all know Fulton County is the home county of the heart of Atlanta mm-hmm. and Fulton County is divided into the city origin and then like it just spreads out into Fulton County because of the metropolitan area of Mm -hmm. Atlanta and the infrastructure of the city. And so basically, um, I just lost my train of thought. I'll take your time. 
All right. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, um, Atlanta is set up in a way where all the inner city kids, like us that grew up like in the zones, like zone one, zone two, zone three, zone four, zone six, the the way they divide the police precincts up because of how the crime was and how they just identified everything. Like we grew up in those neighborhoods. And so when they had the Olympics in the city, like you saw, they separated those Mm -hmm. neighborhoods. There were white people or, you know, our counterparts that lived in Cascade. Like Cascade was a rich and fluent area. Mm -hmm. That's why like so many black people, when they got successful, if they became right, if they became lawyers or doctors or anything like that, they you know, basically stayed in those in those neighborhoods mm-hmm. and they put wealth into it. And that's what it is about regentrification, like in Atlanta and really just happening in any major city oh, yeah. for a lot it's of people. It's the most white people that have ever lived in Atlanta. I, I want to, yeah. I don't know if that's a true stat, but it's, it looks like it. It feels like it. I've, yeah. never, I've never seen this many white people in Atlanta until I like went to the Bell Line one day on a nice sunny day. And it was like white people wall to wall, belt to belt in that mug. And I was just like, what is different? Like, what's really going on? What's really happening? I feel like um, when I see that, you know, a place like Atlanta ain't safe from, you know what I'm saying? Gentrification, it says so much about the world we live in. Like, dang, like, does we really live in a space that's always changing and moving? But I love I love that about Atlanta, folks, because y'all, y'all really are creative people, uh, organically creative. And... Um, but I think that y'all, to me, have done something that I think every great city still is trying to figure out and struggle with. And I think that's why Atlanta has been in a real, has been that girl. Because we saying? really, the real Atlanta people, like, and no shade to anybody that's not from Atlanta that moves here. Like, no shade at all. But the people, the the real locals that grew up like this, mm-hmm. like how in the creative scene in Atlanta, like, it gets really, like, kind of weird mm-hmm. I'll say like the real natives who really like know Atlanta yeah. we kind of also just feel like we don't have nothing to prove and I feel like that's another reason why nobody has really known like what exactly I do because I have also felt like you know my life is my life I don't really got to go out of my way to like show you I'm doing this or showing you I'm putting things in motion because I'm not living my life for your validation Mm -hmm. anyways Mm -hmm. but then like people will come to Atlanta and it's like we're just here being our authentic selves creating like Martin Luther King was here Mm -hmm. Malcolm X was here Mm -hmm. like all these historical events happened here and then on top of that this is a safe space because the kids were taught that we were taught that mm-hmm. growing up. We were taught, I remember sitting in school, learning about over a hundred, a hundred um, black um, people for African-American um, history month yeah. for every February, like yeah. religiously. Mm-hmm. And now it's 2023 and I've been on, I've been here for some over 20 years and we've been reversing Jim Crow yeah Jim Crow just got reversed what the hell is going on here oh they're trying to put hanging back on the um in the constitution of Tennessee and now 
they saying? Oh, you can't you can't uh, read bell hooks. Mm-hmm. Bell hooks is not welcomed. You can't teach kids certain things. No. Um, black American history, and it's like Black American history is American history mm-hmm. because just like how our counterparts, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, contributed to this society, so did we. Mm-hmm. I'm part Caribbean. I know how deep my my lineage go back to. Mm-hmm. I do. In my, on my in my family, we have conversations about it. We know what's up. Like we know, we know where we came from. We mm. know what port we came from. Damn. I, every black person can't say that. I have African friends, and sometimes I find myself being so in awe with them because that's a whole nother thing. Because they know directly, like first generation Africans whose parents came from Nigeria, Ethiopia, wherever over there, like. They know exactly what tribe they came from. And then they have people back home that can tell them about stuff that happened. And then they come here and they work their asses off to get what they want Mm -hmm. to live a better quality of life. But it's like we don't need to keep acting like slavery and all these things. If we're going to make the world a better place outside of because we clearly see COVID didn't work for us. Like capitalism is is a root of COVID. Now, I'm not going to get too hard into that theory Mm -hmm. right now. But that plays a part in it because these people were still making people, people were upset that grocery stores were short staffed because people are tired. People were tired and people could not, people could not afford to just sit up in that fucking house Mm -hmm. in 2020 and make $12 doing groceries. Nobody can. Because they got laid off. Mm. And then they were getting more decent money from being laid off than from working at Audi. And what that say when you when you can make more in unemployment than you do your own job, you know? That say a lot. Yeah. That say a lot. But no, you actually I'm glad that you brought that up because that's a good segue. Uh because in around, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, you uh instead of you feeling like, you know, you just needed to stay, you know, stay in the house and wear your mask, you took some initiative to try to assist, you know, uh, black-owned businesses. Yeah. And, um, and actually, you know, it's been reported that you even saved some businesses. Yes. Tell me tell me more about that story. Yes. So in 2020, I co-founded a nonprofit mm-hmm. that's still in existence. Yeah. It's called Atlanta Black-Owned Relief. And originally, I, you know, co-founded that partner with a few women that I knew from school and around the way and, you know, other relationships I had in my life. But the whole prime thing for that was to just create a GoFundMe and let's just see. Because like when I saw that happening, like back in 2020 during the death of George Floyd and I saw all that, you know, I'm an empath and also being empathetic. And then I know how much I care about like media just from a historical level because my dad was in the military for 22 years. So like, you know, me and my dad growing up, we would talk about like stuff like the Watergate scandal and things like that and how that plays a part in what's happening. You know, like I talk about that with my family and long story short, it's just crazy to me when I saw the the images I saw on social media of men, another, another man getting shot. And guess what? these news corporations and it's a fact i encourage everybody to go look at look at what you intake every day and look at these companies and look at what they put their money 
in, on the back end into we all have that right. It's very fair use, free information, freedom of speech. That's the, you know, the, the land of the law, right? So I say that because these companies did not give a rat's ass about us being in COVID and they showed us that. And then on top of that, they kept putting men. Look, think about all the men we saw getting shot. Sandra Bland, you know, Rashard Brooks, mm -hmm. you know, Trayvon Martin, mm -hmm. you know, especially how back to back all that was mm -hmm. in the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like we already knew it was like crooked cops, you know, doing what they was doing. We knew, we knew they, they put cocaine in our hoods in the eighties. We know these things, but like they were putting it in our faces for over 10, 20 years straight. Like I had anxiety from being a black girl. Mm -hmm. Then we watched videos of Martin Luther King getting sprayed on and dogs biting them. Rosa Parks, Outcast has a song about Rosa Parks for a reason mm -hmm. because this is real mm -hmm. and we're not going to keep acting like this did not happen. And that's how I felt when I just saw like all the shit. When I seen Atlanta up in flames, it struck a nerve in me. And I'm like, I'm not finna sit here on Twitter and just tweet about this shit, about how upset I am, Never how saw. scared I am, how uncertain about my life and how life is. I don't want to do that. I want to actually put something into action. And my my parents have always taught me that. And then on top of that, my mom and dad, my mom actually works in the service industry, but she works more so like in community service, drug service industry, things like that. So can't really speak on that too much but my mom has always done public service work so I knew what like actual community service was growing up I was a part of the mayor's youth program and that's an, a service initiative that Atlanta does to pour back Kasim Reed Kasim Reed did that to pour back into black youth like I was 12 13 15 getting jobs through the city government mm -hmm. to go like instead of like going to summer camp making some money doing that learning how to work so i was never taught to just sit back closed mouths don't get fed yeah that's a that's a gym for a reason like what what you gonna do just sitting there saying oh my god like life is horrible this world is horrible well fuck i'm gonna get up and do something about it we got to do something about it. Not just black women, black men too. And really not just if you're black, if you're a human and, and make make this world a better place. Like you really are the energy that you put out. And it took me so much in my life to realize that. And that's what that whole situation taught me. Yeah. But it also taught me about the, the power, like intention, but also manifestation. Because the intention from that was to genuinely pour back into black cities. And we donated 20, 50, 50K grants, 10K grants, $500 grants, $1,000 grants, like not even to just like small business owners, but even people that were working at bars or 1099 freelancers. Like we put That's money, we put money in their pocket. That's so yeah, I see why you see why she here, right? You know yeah. Right. And I'm sorry. Cause that, cause that's, that, I, I say that because we, we needed, we needed things like that. To yeah. Happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it was a multitude of, it was, it was so interesting that, you know, 2020 brought so much, um, 
shifts and you know shifts to so many different things to, to everybody's life to having to stay inside to having to be more of hermits to being more conscious of our health to um and i think from a business and creative context definitely made people try to you know adjust how they created but also how they had to do business and it's funny because in 2020 i literally had the inspiration to make sure that i started my business and um and really did everything I felt like I needed to do to establish that and have a full proof thing. And I think a big part of that was seeing so many businesses go down, you know, like seeing so many businesses that to me, I felt like I had a solution for them, but they didn't know me. I didn't have a functioning business to sell them. Yeah. So it was kind of like, damn, like this, this mom and pop, you know, restaurant in Chicago, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking them up and I'm hearing that they're closing, but I'm like also trying to see if they got any type of digital presence so that they could have kept getting some type of business, at least from one of these delivery services or something. And um, I see they didn't have that. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, that's like that, that could have been an easy thing. If you already have been good and you've already been a staple of the community for so long, you don't have to, you know, go down. You can just adjust, yes, and still be able to maintain because people still gonna want your food. They, they, yeah, they might can't come out and do the same things they used to do and come and pick it up or, you know, parlay and eat there. But like you can let the people know that you could still get it. And, and a lot of people found a lot of people seen that as a solution and went and leaned into it to the max. Shout out to the to go drinks, to go cocktails that was happening. And um, <laughs> I don't know if y'all was partaking, but I know I was. <laughs> Them to go to cocktails was everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like, oh, so you tell them you about to get me a whole drink in a cup that I can take home? And some people, bro, and some people was doing uh, like double shots. Some people was literally doing double. Like you would pay like twenty four dollars, and that just that was the price of a to go drink because Fam, they literally were giving you double shots. In in Texas and Houston, my my dad lives in Houston. I love Houston. Houston reminds me of old Atlanta. Like it just will always. That's have, what a lot of people saying now too. Yeah, it will always have that. a soft spot in my heart because if I ever get overwhelmed from Atlanta being this new. Metropolis, it's becoming. It's the, they got it's the, I mean, when I moved back, I kept telling them this. It's like Atlanta just got finished with the second round of BBL because everything is bigger, wider, and look different. Right, for sure. I'm talking about just just more buildings, more just shinier things throughout the city that I don't remember, and, and just like I remember, it's like if you go over there by, go off of you know what I'm saying MLK. Over there by uh, the the um, Mercedes Benz, right there by uh, was it uh, Restaurant Ten? Yeah. Have you seen they got they built like a arch, like a little arch? Yeah. That's like goes towards you know what I'm saying. It goes down MLK. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, I see. See. And I was like, I'm like this. I was like, this is interesting. Like why? And it's and it light up. It's like it can be purple in different colors and stuff too. Like I'm like, what is going on? Like if this is like a Morris Brown thing, I'm cool with it. But this is giving like. This is given just trying to match the aesthetic of, you know, that's part of the neighborhood more than anything. Exactly. And like, it's funny, funny you say that because I was going to actually like pivot into that point of the conversation. So Houston reminds me of old Atlanta because it still has some Southern twang to it. Mm -hmm. It's not, it still has its Southern personality, but I I think Houston is going to later evolve because a lot of people moving to Houston, a lot of people moving to Houston, but I feel like cheap and that's usually makes everybody move to places. Exactly. But honestly, from my perspective, and this is 
is because um, I lived in New York City back in 2019. I was actually living in Harlem on 125th and Lex, and I was working for a Fortune 500 company. And we're going to talk about that, I know, today, too, um, and how that whole situation affected my mental health. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so New York City itself is the capital of what... America has been built on, which is what capitalism, industrialization. Think about like the industrialization movement. Think about slavery and how Frederick Douglass and everybody, they were going up north to New York mm -hmm. and the Harlem Renaissance, mm -hmm. which is very important to our culture. Mm -hmm. And it's why media, arts and entertainment and why arts, why the arts is so important, because it it it, refer it references what's happening. It empowers other people that can't get into that, right? That's what art is here for. I think art itself is just here for people to muse until, you know, they can get whatever feelings they need to get. Yeah. That's what all of these medias are, that mediums. I mean, that's what they all are. That's what music is. That's what, you know, interviewing and journalism. That's what that is. That's what film is. That's what photography is. It all communicates that and evokes those emotions. That's what books are. That's why, that's how paper, like from the Egyptians, they had paper, like what was it? Um, Papyrus, mm -hmm. right? No, papyrus. Papyrus. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I stuttered on that, y'all. No, Don't no, judge I know what me. you mean. I know what you mean. But you know what I'm saying? Like papyrus, like all that, that that's because that records the history. For so sure. life imitates art. Right. right. So now we have developed all of these civilizations and things like that in these little worlds in our own states, in our own countries, but we're building it off of the successful foundation because that's how business runs, right? Yeah. So you think about New York and how New York has all the retail, the retail fashion houses that took over Gucci, Milan fashion houses all there. Everything we buy somehow is affiliated with New York because of the ports and how easy it was to navigate the ports of New York location wise. Mm -hmm. So because of that reason, New York is so expensive and it has evolved the stock market makes a lot of money in New York. However, there's so many homeless people there. Yeah. And it's brutal. Yeah. And you have to to really live in New York and LA too. Um and all these other cities that are evolving in that same manner. And you see where I'm lining that up just so you understand what I'm saying. Like mm -hmm. you see how they're mirroring that because they did the same thing to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And now they're trying to do the same thing to ATL. So it's a, it's like a ripple effect. Damn. Our government, state government, city governments, they are investing into that mm -hmm. because that's going gener to generate more revenue. That's yeah. what business development is. Business development, and I worked in business development when I was living in New York. Mm -hmm. So it taught me a lot. I was 23 working for a Fortune 500 company making decent cash, but I couldn't afford to hit all my bills because the cost of living is so high. Mm. So I got sold a dream. I mean, not really. I didn't get sold a dream, but it's like you get sold. A, you can get sold a dream. You can feel going, nice. You feel good going about to, going to you got a job. You got a job, but then you get the job and then reality creeps in and it's like, whoa, this ain't this, enough. This was not enough. And this was not what I thought it was. Yeah. I get that, and 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 I, I want to um, 
slightly pivot, but you know, it's still connected in the in the conversation. And um, in the pre-interview that we had um, earlier um, in February. You know, you, you told me a lot and I really appreciated the, uh, your candor and your, you know, your vulnerability, because I think it shows that um, it truly shows that you are really processing and truly overcoming some of the things that you've been through, you know, and I think a lot of people play down and don't uh, give themselves enough credit to the uh, level of expression that they can give when it comes to things they've been through. And um, I don't know how much you would like to share, but I think the topic that I would like to, you yeah. know, kind of pivot to we, we here. is um, we here. Yeah. It's definitely one of like kind of finding the light after, you know, after darkness. And um, there was so many things, you know, in the story that you spoke to, you were going through at that time. And um, it brought you to a, a true, you know, what you could say, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, a breaking point. And that breaking point was kind of, you know, what brought you to where you are now. And I can imagine you probably feel a lot more aligned in who you are and what you should be doing with your time. But uh, definitely, you know, definitely give people a good, you know, the, uh, the the best, you know, the best kind of condensed version of what it is that you went through and how you got through it. Yeah. So uh, I think a majority of my life I have battled with uh, anxiety mm -hmm. and, and depression. And mm -hmm. I'll be real about it because I have done the work to heal and to overcome the pain. So mm -hmm. I can look you in the face and say this in a mic on a camera and not feel like I want to cry. And that's for me, that is the best gift because now I know I can heal another person, even if it's just like how we're doing today, having this conversation. And, you know, I saw a lot of things growing up in Atlanta, um, just with growing up on Campbellton Road. You know, if you look historically at things that happened in that area and then on top of that, um, my mother um, was in a situation that affected my mental health a lot in high school. And, you know, I had, I had to grow up fast because of that. And it's nothing against my mom. Like I love my mom. Like we have grown so much together and we're still growing together. And this is, and I'm talking about this right now because not everybody has, you know, the white picket fence family that is portrayed in movies. Everybody's not like that. And it's not to say I don't love my family, but you can't change who your family members are when you come into this world. You're put in, you're put here with them because they're your tribe for some whatever reason, like whatever reason it is, God put these people to make you here. So you're here for a reason. Right. And so, you know, that alluded to a lot of my personal development. But by the grace of God, I had people that saw something in me along my way. Like when I was interning for the city of Atlanta, I met like my first two mentors. One of my mentors is the reason why I went to Georgia State. And, you know, she she's um, very successful, but she saw something in me I didn't see in myself. And I love that in the moments of me going through those hard, hard days of crying tears and then also reaching that point of suicide that I reached in 2019 because of all of the stress that I had from my past as a child that I never got like validated. You know, now we do need validation in our psyche for certain things. Sure. That That's true. And that's valid. But, you know, like I was so overwhelmed because of my childhood. And then on top of that, I'm a young black girl that was put here. And then I'm like the kid in between both of my parents. I'm the, I'm the main kid that they're banking on to do something. 
Like, and it's like, that's pressure. Then on top of that, like, I don't have family members. Like my father was in the military, but my mom, like she's, she has her own business, but it wasn't in what I wanted to do. So then like that puts pressure on me and how I'm developing. And then, you know, if I can't be myself and feel like I'm talking, like how I was saying earlier, kids get projected on, you get controlled as a kid and told what to do. So then that affects how you show up as yourself as an adult when you get to college or when you go to work, because then you feel nervous. And that's where imposter syndrome comes from. Like really, when you think about the root of imposter syndrome, it really just comes from stuff you just haven't validated within yourself. Now you need validation in certain aspects, but at some point, you can't let it's really about your internal validation than your external validation. That's actually why I have this tattoo right here. It's called no validation. That was also like my first brand. I started when I was 19, but I got that. uh, I literally got that tattooed on me um, when I was depressed because I just wanted a reminder when I was looking at myself. And so like, it, it was like intuitively I already knew when I was at that peak in my mental health like on the dark side of it yeah. like I knew I was going to get out of it but I did not know like how but sometimes you literally have to fall flat on your face because yeah. if you don't get all that out if you don't cry it out or really just break down and then just come to terms but it's okay to do that but after, after you do that you got to get up you got to get up and that's what it taught me when I um, reached that point in my life where I had to be hospitalized for almost committing suicide. And then I lost a lot of friends at that time where I had people that I thought were my friends that, you know, I look back at it. You were never my friend. You were using my pain as your amusement and my entertain and your entertainment. And that's mm. that's a whole nother thing Damn, that's about, mean as about humans and how they are and how they operate. But I could have been a victim because when I was willing to go that far yeah. that night, yeah. I got hospitalized. Yeah. I felt like a victim. Right. Yeah. And that's where my power I realized when I got there and I was, I was in, I had to be re I had to go to like rehab, like on some Kanye West shit, mm-hmm. low key. Yeah. Like, and that happens, but you know what that taught me? I'm human just like them. Yeah. I'm human just like them, but I don't have cameras on me. Mm -hmm. Just like everybody goes home and they cry. You don't have cameras on you. Mm -hmm. So like once I started realizing that and then I was taking, I was doing therapy and I've been, I've been in and out of therapy really most of my life, Mm -hmm. like because of the trauma, but you know, like I'm 22, 23 sitting in therapy, but I reached this point. So it was like a parallel moment in my brain, like a mind fuck. I'm like, shit, if I don't get myself together, I'm going to be fucking 30, 40, 50 like these folks up in here. You feel me? They nutting up or people on the news that be nutting up doing crazy shit. I'm going to be just like that. And then when I had that moment, it took for me to hit rock bottom to say, you know what, I'm taking my power back. Like, fuck it. Y'all want to talk about me? Y'all want to talk about my business? Y'all want to y'all want to talk about my pain? Bet. Bet. I'm about to be on y'all asses. Like, mm. you will the you will never find me the where you left me 
and that's no cap. Like that's no cap. <laughs> and that's that's where the confidence comes from. Like the confidence like comes that. from, and it's not narcissism because mm. I've had people in my life, people in my life that I have worked with project mm. shit like that on me, like insecure shit. And I'm the type of person like I will actually listen to a person vent to me on some shit, and yeah. it's not even on the like I'm just trying to hear your business. It's on like I'm empathetic as fuck, and I hear you. Like I hear your pain, yeah. and I'm not judging you. Yeah. But when you start taking that shit out on other people and trying to make them how we were saying earlier in these people in this world sometimes they just want to see you doing good but not better than them when you inflict that on people that actually care about you it's fucked up. It hit harder too. It hit way harder. It hit way and harder. then like I've been called narcissistic. I've had people have perceptions of me because I'm also not afraid, afraid to say how I feel. Like I be on Twitter sometimes. I'm not on there like I used to be. But like when I was coming up, going through my shit, like shit, that's what social media is for. We're being social. Like mm-hmm. we're being social. Like I'm not finna sit over here and just act like my life's perfect 24-7 or sit over here and act like I'm just this girl that, no, I'm sharing my experiences like we all are but like people will take things and and just because you're trying to be positive sometimes if i'm tweeting some positive shit it's not about being preachy it's not about that Mm -hmm. if i want to post some positive shit it's not about faking an image it's because i'm doing this shit to control my narrative for sure that's what you do you control your timeline you control your life so when i hit that breaking point and all that shit happened to me and even the shit I went through that I don't want to speak on industry wise that happened to me early in my life it changed me it changed me but I didn't want to be a victim and I had to go through that because now I feel like my purpose and my calling is to heal and empower other creatives like that there are creatives right now that may be 20 in their 20s that don't even know their rights as a freelancer you don't know your rights as a freelancer Mm -hmm. but you're willing to go out of your way to be used and that's the thing about life People will use you if you let them. Yeah. If you let them, you have to be wiser and have a sense of self, a a very strong sense of self. And that's why I broke down the way I did, because I was looking for too much external validation from friendships, situationships, relationships, all of it. Like. Mm -hmm working relationships like and and my life mirrored that and I had to sit with myself and say how the fuck did I get here like one of my mentors she even asked me she was like Khadija I know it's hard but when are you gonna ask yourself how did you get here yeah and when she said that to me I was like wow you're right like why did I entertain these people why did I let them in my life why did I allow myself to be in a situation where I may not be in the best working situation even when I'm work when I was working in corporate too like that I was over exerting myself like black women and black men sometimes we get so caught up in feeling like oh my god I have to overwork to prove myself because of because of of the fact that I'm black mm-hmm and that that creates a whole nother layer of anxiety so it's like all of that shit and like for me now i'm at this point where i'm beast i'm beast mode internally like even even when i'm crying because we all have bad days too like after i cry beast mode 
like I'm not going back to that feeling that because I'm still here for a reason. Yeah. And you know, kudos to you yeah. for having the strength to um to see the reasons as to why you should still be here. Um I can only imagine the the amount of, you know, pain, darkness and the complex feelings that you probably experienced to um to even be that low to get to that existential inner crisis yeah. you know because that's really what it is it's and, a, and that's it's a, a lot of people have that crisis a lot of people have that our mm-hmm. parents have ex- existential crisis when they're in their 50s mm-hmm. trying to contemplate wow life is getting real and i'm only getting older yeah and that's and, and, that's and the journey time to do what it is that i wanted to do have i been living a life that's not fulfilling do I have, you know, am I am I doing right by everything that it, you know, makes you who you are? But truly, like, it, it's it's big to, you know, experience something like that. Not only be able and be willing to share, but I do want to thank you for feeling comfortable to yeah. um, to share for real, for real. No, because people I, people need to hear that. Like, stop fucking letting these people tell you who the fuck you can be. <laughs> stop. Stop. <laughs> I'm going to say that. And yes, I'm cursing. I am cursing. I'm cursing. Because real women, real women don't, I'm sorry, but being just a a meek woman, you won't, you won't make history. And I'm saying that Mm -hmm. really like think about all the women in society. Like we just were able to vote because of Susan B. Anthony. Mm. We still, we still, they just, they trying to control my ovaries. Mm. You know, I got bigger problems. So you think I'm about to sit up here and let somebody sitting on their fucking couch in their house and what they say on social media get me and stop me from chasing my bag and my purpose. You think I'm finna let what somebody who don't even really, you, you still judging me from who I was when I didn't know myself, just like you. Cause we're, we're, we're all on the journey of finding ourselves. That's why I don't judge people. Like I really don't, unless it's like some real horrible shit. Like, you know, <laughs> being crazy, like psycho shit, like I just some, mean. just some like left field snap shit. Okay. Then, mean. then the judgment should enter. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm not judging people for where they're at because you still have to extend grace because God gives you grace every time you wake up. Mm-hmm. Every time you wake up, it's another day of grace. So because of that, even if you hurt me, even if you pass me up and, and pass me up on something or anything like that, as a human in my human experience, I still have to give you grace because if I don't, I'm going to hold on to that negative energy. And I can't do that anymore. Mm. I'm not doing it. And you shouldn't. And, yeah. I, and I, you know, like I said, I can only applaud you so much on kind of, you know, choosing yourself. Yeah. And um, I think that we don't realize how much um, power is in the idea of consistently prioritizing ourselves, making ourselves feel uh, capable and able. Yeah. But also just the fact that we are genuinely meant to be here for a reason we're not we're not we didn't choose to be here all these different things but a part of making life into what it needs to be because you know in so many ways i think it was um nipsey's mom who said something that was like really deep and it didn't really make sense to me until you know really recently and um she said that uh don't feel bad for my son because he because he now understands the secrets to life yeah. And and I think mm-hmm. it's and I think when the 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 thing about it is we want to 
I think people might, you know, maybe metaphor kind of is a little far reaching, but I think it's one that still makes sense for folks who do have ideations. Yeah. And that is you're trying to shortcut. Like instead of really, truly getting whatever the blessing and lesson is of your life and figuring out what it is in full, you rather just shortcut like, look, let's just get me to the end of the game. Right. Because I don't want I don't want to have to keep playing. I don't want to have right. to keep trying to figure it out. I don't want to have to keep trying to discover and do the work and all these various things. I'm just telling I'm tired. I'm 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 weak right now for all these things that I can't control and can't control. And so yeah, I wanna I wanna get out of here. Yeah. Let's take me out the game. Yeah. Unplug me, you know. And, and I, it is and the I, easy way out because it, it's so hard. And it's hard because our brain plays tricks on us. Yeah. Like you think about all the thoughts that you think. Like, cause that's that's where your ideas and your imagination comes. Like our brain can be used for good and bad, just like everything in the world. Like sure. we know that. We see that when we look at the stuff we look at every day. Yeah. And so like when I started, I used I used books about psychology and I also learned more about different ways of healing, like herbal, holistic remedies and chakra healing, things like that. I intentionally sought out those things on my way to this place that I am now to heal myself. I love that. And I opened myself up to it, not on a way of like doing anything like wooey or kooky, but just doing it in an intentional form of like no one else is going to heal me but me mm-hmm. like no and I'm still healing like I still got stuff I'm processing and I'm going through no yeah no but, always works in progress and that's exactly what I'm saying but I I'm doing what works for me in yeah. my life which may be me posting something positive or mm-hmm. me just you know doing doing what I'm doing now creating from a place of pure just essence of being myself and not feeling like I have a point to prove not feeling like I have to get revenge on people who hurt me or just feeling like I have to some like from those rooted insecure places because so many people do shit like that every day that's why so many people hate working in corporate America now because it's a boss that's being very condescending to them micromanaging them petty or some old ass person at their job being loud obnoxious because they don't like themselves and they're insecure and we live in a world where people go and perpetuate like how you were saying earlier about Justin Bieber and Selena and Mm -hmm. Haley's information people like perpetuating negative shit to avoid their own insecurities the hardest part about starting a business is minding your own message (laughs) the hardest part about starting a business because really hey it's a clip going viral on tiktok right now i love future okay and future talking about you know how you were all talking about i think everybody should just mind their business so they can get their business done that's some real shit we all should just be doing that we should but unfortunately people who don't want to do work on themselves or they just that just may be where they're at because some people are comfortable being there they're like well this is where I'm at I've been there before too but at some point we all gotta look at ourselves everything can't just be even with conflict and all the shit on TikTok and Instagram where it's overwhelming as hell and everybody's venting about their damn friendships like goddamn, just pick up the phone Like, or actually look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, were you a good friend? That's and, good. and what role did you play? Like, look, 
And that's a whole nother thing yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we can yeah. unpack on another day. Yeah, no, that's, but, yeah, that's a that's a that's a whole nother whole nother pivot. But I but I do like what you what you know what you're putting down. And I'm glad you brought up business because I think it's a perfect segue into um one of my last points. And that is um you work with creators all the time. Yes. So do I. Not only with a podcast, but also outside, just you know, throughout my life, I think I've, you know, attracted and kept creative people around me, even before I even really knew and noticed that that was the trend in my life. Right. And I think that it's a, um, it's a gift. Yeah. In a way to be a person who can be complimentary. Yes. To creators. Cause I think, um, very often when creatives, when you have two creatives in certain spaces, you know, ego plays a real large role. Cause it's like, well, I know how to do, I know what I'm doing. Well, I know what I'm doing. I know the shot. I got the shot, you know? And when you're a person who can be a, a person who is, you know, has a supportive element to your creativity and um, you you can understand the bigger picture and maybe even have a skill that really uh, exemplifies the broader scope that this creation can be. Um, I think it's a gift. Like, I don't know if you've seen, um, it was actually kind of like a slightly, you know, made its ways through the internet, but it was a 60 60 minutes interview of... um, Rick Rubin. Yeah. And Rick Rubin is, uh, for all those who might not know, is one of the co-founders of Def Jam Records with Russell Simmons. And um, he is very well-known kind of, you know, producer. And if you want to, for all intents and purposes, you can kind of say that he's like the pre, the, the predecessor of like a DJ Khaled. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he really is doing the producing, not beat making, not making the music, but literally putting the pieces together, having decisions on works of um, work, recorded uh, works. So, and I think it was interesting because he was, you know, very matter of fact about it. Like, I don't um, know anything about music. I don't this, that, and the third, and I don't, I don't do anything. It's just really about having a particular level of taste and trust with these artists. So, I would love to talk to you about how does it feel for you to have you noticed that about. Uh, as a you know, as a possible gift for you that you really possess, but also, how does you think that benefits um, you as a whole? The fact that you aren't just a person who's quote unquote creative, but you can like it is a gift that you know how to work with creatives too. Yes, and that that's something I love that you said that. Like that is the best way to put it. Um, I have been blessed to you know do a lot of the things that I have done, which is entailed like public relations, publicity work, press kits, media work on the side that I've done early in my life. And, uh, you know, as I have been coming into this journey, because now I'm building my own creative agency and all the corporate experience I gained, like it was really also me just hustling like prior, like most of it, you know how Atlanta folks is like, if you if you don't know how to go get some money in Atlanta, what you doing? Cause I don't know nobody. I know people with no job in Atlanta that know how to still go get some money. That that's just the culture of it. So I feel like me knowing that, and then me learning how. Like I'm the type of person I love learning how stuff works. Like even when I'm being taught, I'm very. I've always been very inquisitive. But it's inquisitive because you know, as a Gemini, being a Gemini, we we like to understand how things work. Yeah. So when I learn how things work, that that makes me happy. Like yeah. that does something for me because it's me like too. I'm leading 
myself. That's how I guide myself. Mm -hmm. Like what you were saying earlier about guidance, like that's making me feel secure in guiding. Like I need that for myself. Mm -hmm. And like when I started learning about how business works and freelancing and how these corporations work as a creative that sacrifice, I took off like two to three years of just not working with people, just, just doing, just living my life staying to myself, just figuring myself out on purpose to just also soak myself in those experiences because I personally just, I want to know how this stuff works because my parents don't, I mean, they do to a certain extent, but you know, they, they haven't done what I'm doing. So I should learn. And why be condescending? That's the problem. It's a, it's a Caribbean proverb crab to barrel mentality mm-hmm. and that is the problem with our community Crash like i love i love our community it's just i don't like that some of us have crab and barrel mentalities and i and i ran across that early at like 18 19 with people i was working with in the creative atlanta scene and it, it's Which I think not, is a problem everywhere. It's a problem everywhere. And, yeah. and there's also, it goes back to what's happening now with white supremacy and the good old boy system. You know, it plays into an influence of that as well. But it's not cool to, just because you know something, feel like you have a one up on someone, especially if they're genuinely innocent and they don't know. Like I love, and I think, and I think because I was blessed with women who saw something in me that came into my life when I interned for the city of Atlanta, my mentors I met at 16, they're still my mentors to this day. Mm -hmm. Like because of the relationships I built like that, or not even just with them, but just other older, wiser women or men who genuinely genuinely saw something in me and gave me opportunities from a genuine place and wanted to see me grow. Like I have to carry that on because that's also going to help me build my community because, you know, everybody ain't for everybody. Everything ain't for everybody, but at least I know I can create my own community or submerge myself in a community that feels like a safe space. And yeah. how, how am I going to do that by trying to keep another person down? That's real. I can only do that by doing what I did for myself, which is lifting myself up. So yeah. anybody that I bring into my life or I begin to work with, I, I love, I would like for it to be like that because everything is not always about money. You know, like I have been blessed to make some money. I'm not where I I want to be. I'm not a millionaire. <laughs> my mama, my mama ain't ain't chilling on the beach right now. You know what I'm saying? I can't get no Birkin right now. You know, I can't. I don't want to do that. But that's because it's bigger. It's always been bigger to me than that. It's been bigger than the cloud. It's always been because this is how I have a story to tell, like I'm doing right now. And I want other people to feel inspired by their own stories, their own personal stories. I fuck with that. Mm-hmm. I fuck with that. I, I think that. Um, and I've told the story on um, on the pod probably more than once, but to, you know, come into what your purpose is and to know that your purpose is one that you were sleeping on yeah. for a long time is really impactful because it's like, damn, not because it, it can make you feel a lot of things from feeling like, oh, maybe if I was, you know, more diligent and, you know, kind of looking inward, I might have discovered this a little bit earlier. Yeah. But um, but I think everything happens when it's supposed to. Timing. Um, because I think that yep. um, now... I am um, a very particular type of person now, regardless of the things that I know how to do. I think I'm a very particular type of person now. Right. And um, and because of that, you know, 
that those qualities that I was able to get in my overall just growing up, I think it is going to make me a better business person, a better creator for the things that I create my own, my own, but also a great fucking collaborator. Exactly. Because I, I, and I, that's like, I've so some, important. I've lived some mm-hmm. life. I have understanding. I understand that, you know, the choices that you're making are really genuinely your choices. And, um, and I can't personalize them all the time either. And I think that's a big thing that makes certain things hard or make certain creatives, especially folks who are, you know, deeply, um, deeply within their creativity. Um, you know, there's a lot of different eclectic artists, artists that are in Atlanta. And I get why they might have certain people who have always been their people, because it's hard to sit here and, you know, try to re-evaluate somebody to see if they're going to genuinely understand you for all parts of who you are. Right. That's what, Ooh, that's, what, that's, yes. what people, that's what people need. They don't need to yes. be seen as just this thing that they are now popular for. People know them of. It's like, no, I literally need to have that grounding because that I'm not this all the time. I'm yeah. not this, you know, this whatever this thing is, you know? And um, I want people to respect me. I want people to feel like I'm worthy of respect, even if you take all these things away. Exactly, and, um, exactly. And I think that was what Ooh, I realized yes. that I had going for me, is that I've always been big on kind of like not pedestalizing people and not seeing the humanity in folks, which is, you know, hence the hence the uh, the tagline of the show, you know, humans simply being humans. Exactly. So it's kind of, so it's kind of like, I don't, I don't, you know, I applaud folks who can have the ability to do it because it is something that you really are signing up for that a lot of people don't know how to do. Yeah. And, you, and you have to be okay with knowing that your the skill that you're giving and lending to whoever it is, is one of, you know, true, like it's a true gift. It's not something that you should play down or minimize. Everybody cannot work with creatives because they can't even get into the rooms. They can't even... Uh, get, you know, speak the language, you know, to where they you really are, you know, and also express to themselves what that they really do see the vision, you yeah. know, like express like, no, I actually get exactly what you're trying to do. And I think this is how we can go about doing it. A lot of people really need that. We need that level of collaboration, that symbiotic aspects to, you know, making certain things happen, because in every single in every single thing that we do these days, you know, you can really sit here and take the same principle of, yeah, you can do it alone and maybe get there fast, but doing it together and it'll really last, you know? And and just asking and looking to the side and networking laterally a lot more can truly put you in a better position. And I think that a lot of people sleep on that because just like you said, people are thinking about clout. They're thinking about the biggest thing you know, I, I always tell people about, you know, the reason of collaboration, a big motivator of collaboration throughout Atlanta is that you don't want to be the one who sit there and skipped out on somebody who about to be the next thing. Oh, yeah, for so sure. Because that, that's how so I'm you, feeling about myself so right now. In, yeah. So if you come in correct, mm-hmm. a lot of people will give you a, give you some space. If you're in the same room as them, yeah. you get that contact, whatever, they might actually give you an opportunity. Exactly. But the thing about it is, and this is something I want everybody to understand, when you become... Quote, when you get any type of notoriety in any space, people now knowing who you are is a good thing. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse. 
Because now that they know who you are, when you're not on your shit, they know who you are. Yep. So, so yep. it's not a... And that, that goes down for anything and anywhere in your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so it's it's, it's be, be, be ready for the attention that you are calling to your life. So if you really want to become this best this or this public figure in some way, shape or form, especially you getting into entertainment anyway, understand that people are going to judge when you aren't at the top. No, they aren't. But that's why I'm glad I went through that transformational phase so early because that can fuck with a person's psyche. Like, look at all the famous people that are depressed and their mental health's like deteriorating in front of our eyes or even people like our influencer friends that psych themselves out all the time. Like, because you're still seeking that external validation. But all of that, how you show up is still about how you showing up for yourself. And you can't, you can't go out here and collaborate, produce, execute, be your best self if you're not good. No. You no, can't do it. No. And you know what? Let's, I think it's time to send it on. Mm-hmm. When you hear this, you're going to hear some nice, good, soulful instrumentals of D'Angelo behind my voice. Okay. You're going to like it. It's going to sound real good. But... What I would like for you to do, Khadijah Z, tell the peoples how they can support you. Like everybody who's listening, let them know they can pour into anything for you right now or it's anything that you got going on. Um, Yeah, let them know. You guys, thank you for tuning in. And, And before I talk about supporting me, support my man. Support my man is Rodney. Real, real stand up guy, real stand up guy. <laughs> just just want to throw that out there. I appreciate it. Because I'm so happy you had me here today to just like share this about myself. So, once again, my name's Khadija Z from Atlanta, born and raised. Uh, I actually have my own agency called the K95 Agency. It's a developing creative company that will be providing creative solutions, productions, a lot of opportunities as well that I'm building with that, uh, that is in its infancy stage. And on, aside from that, I I am going back to school for film and I just, you know, took one of my classes recently. So I will be extending, you know, my passion for the arts and business into film, which was always my plan as a little girl going back to me want to be an actress. So manifestation is real and just support my journey. If you don't buy nothing from me or buy tickets at an event that I'm ever hosting or put, producing because I produce events as well. Um, that's cool. Just follow me, support me, like me, tell your friends, tell somebody something good and positive. And I hope everybody like take, take something from what I had to say today. <laughs> I heard that. I heard yeah. that. Um, I, I really do appreciate you giving me your time. I appreciate you uh, reaching out to even want to be on the pod in general. Um, yeah. Cause stuff like that make my life easy. You know what I'm saying? When people should show interest. Yeah. But I, uh, but I really do thank you. And I really do, you know, don't want to minimize the the vulnerability that you showed in speaking to any parts of your story and the things that you've been through and where you feel and how you feel uh, in this current moment. But um, really, truly appreciate it. Thank you for coming in and, um, and sitting down with me. You know what I'm saying? As I said at the top of the episode, this episode was brought to you powered by Hair by Ashe. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, shout out to Ashe. You know, powered by House of Ashe. Yes. Go go and see about if you can get a booking. I don't know if you're going to get one, but go <laughs> go check the work and see about it. Support Hope black you. businesses by black women. May, may, the, may, the, may the force and be black with men. you. May the force be with you on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, um, I really, really do appreciate you. And uh, if you don't know, you should know. 
you can look at all the things that she spoke to supporting all the things to follow Khadija Z in the description of this episode. And if you also don't know, you should know you can follow me everywhere at Kings underscore memoirs. You should make sure that you follow the um, podcast page at Simply King Pod and Simply King Podcast on Facebook. And make sure you check out all the services and the things that I provide on lifeisking.com and follow the pod, follow the Instagram page at lifeisking. I appreciate y'all. This has been a dope, dope conversation. This is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast of Humans, Simply Being Humans. I've been Rodney Perry. This has been Khadija Z. And this has been Simply King. Peace.